I'm Danielle Houston. I'm the host of this podcast, The Checkup. I am also a health and welfare advisor at Lockton Companies here in Washington State. And today my guest is going to help us continue this conversation about helping employees through the times that we are still in the midst of. Emily Elrod is a ray of sunshine. In addition to being a ray of sunshine, she also consults with employers in wellness and safety. So she is very well situated to talk with us today about how do we help employees adapt without snapping. So there's the title of our episode. Emily joins us from Georgia today. Emily, welcome to The Checkup. Thank you so much, Danielle. I am so excited to be on with you today. And it's great to have you. So I want to just share with the listeners today too, or you know, those of you who are watching, as the interweb would have it, Emily and I connected through LinkedIn. We connected through the sharing of content and just seeing what each of us were talking about and the kinds mm -hmm. of things that were inspiring us and motivating us. Emily reached out and, you know, were it not that she was on the other side of the country, uh, I might say that we were sisters, our paths were definitely intended to cross. So we've had a couple of great conversations. Emily has her own podcast. Um, if you've been watching some of uh, my videos, you will see, I, I gave Emily a nod here a few weeks ago, because if you're looking for uplifting, encouraging conversations, her podcast can definitely deliver that and give you some great ideas on some inspiring ways to live every day. So Emily, super excited for you to share your your gifts and your inspiration and your advice to employers. And, you know, I'm sure there will be some people who watch or listen to who are continually trying to adapt and need a little help. So tell us a little bit about your background and your organization. Introduce yourself to us. Well, thank you so much. So I always start with, I am a really odd duck when it comes to my background. So my father invented a lot of the things that make carpet in the textile tufting industry. And I actually followed in his footsteps. And I have—I do not have an engineering degree, but I've been doing AutoCADing and creation since age 10. Went on, love process, love design, but I like people a heck of a lot more. And so I actually have a background in physiology. I have a master's in basically how the body works. And from there, I have been blessed to lead wellness initiatives, safety initiatives for companies of all sizes, and just get to do a lot of the purpose impacting work that I find is so valuable that employers, I would say even need in, in talking about how are we designed like as an engineer, it was really funny. Like if I did something wrong, they're like, hey, you jacked that up. But like in the employee, employer space, if something goes wrong, I found at times they blame the people and not looking maybe how we designed it a little bit. You might have designed an environment where people might tend to snap because they're so stressed out. 
and micromanaged or that they can't ha- talk about life. They can't talk about it. It's got to be work-life balance and it's got to be like this perfect scale. You know, those are kind of the things that I have a passion and purpose to do. And that's what I get to do every day with my company, getting to do programming, getting to do coaching and consulting with an amazing team. I say be the genius with 10,000 geniuses. The kiss of death is to be the genius with 10,000 helpers. So they're way smarter than I ever could be. And they help me out. (laughs) And you're delivering some messages and offering, you know, services and advice in a time when employers can't really afford to be standoffish Um, Mm -hmm. can't afford to keep doing things the way we've been doing them because we're all working in a much different environment in some form or fashion. And I think that's a great way to just segue into this conversation about adapting. I also think about just that um, the emotional response, which I think often is that feeling of your emotions are way far ahead of where you're at Mm. and your emotions are driving your response because you haven't quite, you know, centered back into how are you going to respond? Right. (laughs) And I feel like there's always this, you know, there's this difference between there's your initial, how you react to something, but Mm -hmm. then there's those, those next steps of, response, a proper definition of snapping. One of the things that you mentioned is that, um, yes, we've all been there and we all have these examples of it, but it really being this reality that we've reached a point that we don't know how to cope. We're Mm -hmm. feeling really overwhelmed by those feelings. So talk us through what, what does that science say, right? What are those feelings and what's the science behind it? Okay. So one of the big things that I always talk about is how the pattern of our actions actually happen. So it's a thought that leads to a feeling, which leads to an action. And over time, it will become a behavior if you do it enough. So for example, with my, uh, my almost snap, I could say it's, I recognize I didn't have my, my, Thought was already gone. So I already skipped my thought. I already could feel it. I knew my feeling. But you have the ability to step it back or you can be reactive. You can be proactive or reactive in it. And the interesting thing about the science is, is that you can't skip steps. And what I mean by that is it's very difficult to go from a thought to an action. There's usually a feeling in between, and it's very difficult to go from action to a thought. You, you typically have a feeling that that flows through that. The science behind it is that there's something called the amygdala. I call it Amy. Um, as people understand that a little bit better, Amy has the ability, and this is how I teach this to my kids. My kids are actually who are all my guinea pigs for a lot of my stuff that I talk about. And one of the things that we we really harp on is understanding the triggers. What is making you want to snap? Amy has a lot of control in that aspect of it. Um, But the thing is, is that you ultimately own her. Like, this is the one thing that I can get frustrated with, with some of the pop psychology is that it's like, we need control or we need to own, or we need to do these different things um, with our thoughts and negative thought thinking specifically. Well, it's there for a reason. Like, in my opinion, 
Um, I am a person of faith. So I believe that God gave us the amygdala for a reason. Like it was in our design process for a reason. And one of those reasons is to deal with this stress. A lot of people think stress is bad. It actually is just a heightened awareness. That's all it is. And so whenever you're about to snap, whenever you're about to go off, if you can take a second and see what that heightened awareness is. But if you're already on that emotional roller coaster and if you don't get to pause or take a second, you might say something you're going to regret. <laughs> so when I hear you say that too, I think of, okay, if I'm feeling stressed, if I take a moment to think about why am I feeling stressed? Have I taken on more than I can chew today? Mm -hmm. Do I need to pick up the phone and talk to a friend who can help me through a hard moment? Um, you know, and other examples that I think are, you know, probably, you know, common too is the, you know, that whole conversation about fear. Not all fear mm -hmm. is bad. You know, fear should keep you from going down into the basement, you know, <laughs> yeah. for a movie or, um, you know, fear can keep you from, you know, wandering into a situation that intuitively, you know, you know, might be dangerous, but you're right. I feel like there is an American attitude in particular that our mm -hmm. emotions and the way that we feel um, is either negative and needs to be totally eradicated and that we should always feel happy or we should always feel satisfied. Um, and I think I'll at least agree that that ain't ever going to happen, right? No. And I think that's a good point too, that for us, we talk about four main biochemicals, which is actually a lot of the emotions that go with it. I call it the safety cop of the body. It's serotonin. It's found in your brain and in your gut, but 90% of it is actually in your gut. It's that safety and security that you want to feel. There is also your, I call it your rah-rah uh, teenage cheerleader. Um, it's that dopamine release. It is that, yeah, it feels good, but then, oh crap, like I lost it all kind of style. And it is actually, especially if you're an employer, you need to be careful with those because it's where you have to keep rewarding people. And it's that it's the Pavlovian effect where you keep rewarding them. They'll do a little good and then keep rewarding them. They'll do a little good. Like you got to keep that up and that's not sustainable. And that's the reason why it's a teenage cheerleader or just think about if anybody's been married, think about whenever you got married until like five years, maybe six years down the road. Like that's, that's dopamine. <laughs> True love <laughs> is whenever you have to like take after, after they're sick. After they're like, that is for me, love, which is the next one is the loving grandmother. That is that trust, that bonding that you want. And it's oxytocin. And it is the chemical that makes all the difference in finding a lot of the work that we do is finding oxytocin releases. Like, how can you connect? How can you bond? How can you have conversations in those tough ones? Because whenever you're in those environments, you're less actually likely to snap because you feel like you have stability. You feel like you can trust. You can feel like you're not being judged. And then the final one, what we talked about a second ago is stress, which is actually, I call it the angry coworker. And she's only angry because she's doing everybody else's job. She's frustrated. It's cortisol because her job is actually to give heightened awareness. You can actually have more innovation and creativity and get to see things that that are high in performance 
aspects. But unfortunately, they also have the ability to shut off the learning centers of our brain. So we get the, we get the choice to choose on that aspect of what will we do whenever we know that we've snapped? How can we get to that adapt? So there are two things that I, I pull out of what you're saying. And one is that feelings have a purpose. Mm-hmm. No matter you know where we're feeling them, when they're feeling them, taking a moment to maybe really reflect on that, why am I feeling that way, can probably give us that moment to sort through what our feelings truly are, what's creating the stress or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which, whichever emotion we might be feeling. But the other thing is that truly, um, while we can't control everything, we really do have the ability to Mm -hmm. be the master of our emotions. It doesn't have to rule us or define us, but with the practice and with a lot of self-awareness and work, you know, we can take charge of those things and not be tossed about, which I, I find a lot of hope in that because there's a lot of tossing about right now. We were <laughs> led totally by our emotions, especially, you know, the last 11 months would be a great example. Um, and I know that there are lots of things at play, but the more we can be the master of that, I think the more we can find peace, no matter what the outward circumstances might be. So you talk a lot about band-aid approaches and, you know, and I think that resonates for all of us too. There are lots of us that use a band-aid approach and and we've all done it, whether it's a Mm -hmm. short-term thing or a longer term thing, but can you give us some examples and maybe some good examples of band-aids that would be things we might not commonly think of, right? Because like when you and I were talking about band-aids, you know, I think of, you know, like drinking because I feel stressed Uh or sleeping because I feel, you know, I feel depressed and I'm not sure how to face my day. But I think there are other band-aids that you could probably give us some insight about. Yes, one that, and I want to preface this, that I absolutely love this technique. Breathing. I think it's fantastic. It is what I did whenever I snapped it. But it's the thing is, why are you doing it? That is one thing I'll see. Everybody's like, just take a breath. Just take a breath. Well, the thing is, is there's something called the insanity curse. It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So I challenge people to look at what I call as their triggers. What's triggering you to feel like you need to breathe? Where does it start at? Is is whenever you get to the, the feeling of the motion, it may have already been somewhere else in your body. Like there's things that you can do like scans. Those things are fantastic to see what and how you are dealing with your issues. And, and I guess the biggest Band-Aid is, is just that constant need to have a dopamine release, to have that quick fix, to feel good right in the moment, instead of doing the loving thing, which is being honest and understanding and non-judgmental and having those conversations with yourself. Because whenever you get to do that, 
not only do you get at top performance, but you get to walk out in this, you, what I call it, the unapologetically bold you. You get to walk out in that and it is so electrifying. People know it and they resonate to it. And it's not like this cockiness. It's humble confidence that comes with it that you're okay to be you. You're okay to talk about your your things with your coworkers. Like me and you, every time we talk, we talk about the kids, you know, and it's okay. Like back in the day, it's like, oh, you don't do that. You know, we talk strictly business and blah, blah, blah. No, connect with people. It will make a difference. And it's not a Band-Aid. You, and, and that's the other thing. Another Band-Aid approach that I would add on to. Sometimes people have intro questions or like prompts. And they'll ask questions about people, but they won't dig deeper. Uh, give an example. Somebody will ask, they're being genuine, asking them, how was their day? Okay. Whenever they say fine, Explore that a little bit more. Ask clarifying questions <laughs> because from the mental health side, fine is typically not fine. It, it's a deeper, it's a deeper thing with it. So ask deeper clarifying questions. That's another Band-Aid one that I've seen a lot. I like how you took my Band-Aid question too from being this thing where I often think of Band-Aids as maybe being negative mm-hmm. and you know, from the place you're coming into, uh, I'm seeing the Band-Aid as being a way that we can help, you know, bring some healing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the breathing, being very aware and getting in touch with how you're actually feeling. Um, so that's, uh, that's, I like that pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the other things that we talked about when We're talking about adapting and adapting in the workplace. There is often this thing that happens in the workplace that when someone is experienced the stressor or they're experiencing a a hardship, they're not, maybe, maybe they're having some conflict at work with an employer, with, um, with someone they work with. And the inclination can be to go and ask someone to fix it for you, you know, <laughs> and often, you know, that is HR, I, I need you to help me fix this. Um, you have some interesting thoughts on that. Can we really help? Can we help everyone by fixing their problems? Sad news. No. What I give it back, I actually had this conversation with a CEO of a logistics company not too long ago. And I correlated back to their parenting style. How do you want to be a parent? Like, if your kids made a mess in the floor, are you going to pick it up after them? If your kids want, uh, if you need something done, are you going to fix it? Like, think of the energy. We'll put that on adults. And that's in essence what had happened. And unfortunately, it was a large sum of money error that had happened from him not fixing it. But it's a lesson. If you do not allow people to, to learn, if you fix everything for them, in essence, you're actually micromanaging them. You're not giving them the experience which is needed for people to walk out confidently. Confidence is extremely important with knowing yourself. 
you want to be able to say, let's go back with this. Me example. I joke with my kids because I didn't learn how to clean until I was in my late twenties and they cook, they clean, they do dishes and they're the most confident human beings there are. My mother literally did my makeup at 18 so that I wouldn't walk out the door looking like something that was not presentable to her standards. And that's not to say anything bad, but the thing is, is I lack so much confidence for so long because I didn't get to make choices because I didn't believe in myself. And if I didn't believe myself, I kind of stayed in that insanity curse. And that's kind of what happens with adapting without snapping. You got to have confidence because you're going to have to have hard conversations. I've never seen that not happen. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess too, when I think about snapping and reaching that point and you're really reaching that point because you don't have, you know, a certain coping skill and, you know, you need a new tool. I mean, most often the way we learn that and figure out that we're capable and able to do the hard things is actually walking through it and solving the problem itself. And I mean, it's funny when you talk about the, the parenting styles, I always think of, you know, my dad, who was a career Marine, one of sort of the golden rules in our house was you, you never complain. And, <laughs> you know, you never bring something to him with a litany of complaints. Now, what you can do is come and say, I don't like this. Here's what I would really like to do to fix it can I do that? Which is a totally different conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I have carried that into the workplace and the people who've worked with me for a long time know that when there's a problem, they're not sure how to solve then. Oh, by absolutely any means come and talk to me, Mm -hmm. but don't come and bring your problem and drop it on the desk because we're all adults. So come talk to me, tell me what you think the solutions could be. And then we'll talk through how that would actually work. And, you know, and for the people who have worked with me for a long time, we've all experienced such a great growth together Mm -hmm. too. And a lot of trust, right? Because (sighs) they know too, they can talk about hard things with me and throw some things out there. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong, but we're going to figure it out together. And, you know, that I, I can do that all day. But I think that's important. That's that's an extremely important point, too, that if you want to build that trust, you have to trust <laughs> um, yeah. and giving them options. And if you fix it, it's going to hurt it. Yeah. Yeah. And true in parenting and true in those relationships that work, too. So how can leadership really help? What would you, you know, to that CEO who is challenged or, you know, an HR VP who is thinking about how their organization can work better and support people together in adapting? What do you say? There's a two-pronged approach. First is make sure you love you first, because it's hard to love others if you don't love yourself first and understanding what your strengths are and understanding you. That's a minimum because here's the thing. If you're pouring from an empty cup, you're empty. And at work or at home, it doesn't matter where. And so first thing I would say is make sure that you're having your me time, making sure that you're setting clear boundaries, clear expectations. That's first. 
so that you can be at your best. And then I'd say secondly, from that, once your cup is full, start pouring into others. Talk with them. Ask those hard conversations. What I say is have hot conversations, which is humble, open, and transparent. We're done with fake. The world's done with fake. We can read it. It's so easy. And it's not tolerated as it used to be. And so just be you and it's okay. Have those conversations. Tell them that you're not perfect. That And if I'm open with my team, that they know I overthink things. And I'm like, I'm over... I literally, one of their tasks I gave them is to control the Emily thought bubble. And like, of course, it's not going to be easy to do at all. But that's what I do is my mind goes and goes and goes and goes. And I want the best for my people. And I want the best for the people that I serve. And it's because I pour so much. I have to be able to have my cup filled, but then also be open and honest with them. So. I, I love those hot conversations. That's something you talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is incredibly helpful in any relationship, whether, you know, again, whether it's personal or professional. Um, so talk, talk to us a little bit about when you're going to work with an employer, mm-hmm. uh, what does that look like? Because I'm hearing things like, you know, you're going to be doing really a lot of coaching. How do you get there? What would an employer expect with you? So for me, what I've always been told is white glove custom service. And that's what we do. And some people are like, oh, custom, that means pricey. No, what that means is I am very particular. And I talked to somebody about this today that I find a lot of solutions that people already have. Use your geniuses. And so what we do is we come in and we look at your wellness, safety, and leadership strategies. But you don't need a full LMS system. You don't need a full portal. You don't need, you may already have that stuff there. We do, like I said, consulting, and we also do the coaching aspect of it. But ours is a little bit different because ours is a team approach. So what I found is I may have somebody that wants to talk about dietitian one day at dietetics, but then the other day, like their kid, like did something at school that was crazy and they need to talk to somebody in that realm. That's what we have. We have a multidisciplinarian team that can come assist and help with you and just create conversations, create accountability, and then have a space to have results that actually are life impacting that really make a difference at the end of the day. So a little science, a little art, a little heart, kind of all. Love it. Yes. Yeah. That's what people are, right? You know, I keep thinking back to some conversations I've had over the last few weeks of, you know, people, yes, there there are so many things about us that are simple. And yet the truth is we're complex creatures created with a lot of stuff and environments with a lot of varying factors and it takes art and heart to bring it all together. So I know you and your team are really visible in some different ways with some things like Mindful Monday and Thoughtful Thursdays. You're available for employers to reach out directly. So tell us how can employers connect with you? What's the best way to do that? 
So you can go onto LinkedIn is really a great way. If not, there is also, I'm Emily Elrod, MHS, so Master of Health Science. But also you can go to workspeed.com and we actually have an wise assessment that you can take. And it will go through how wise is your organization? What are some areas that we might can look at exploring differently or more in-depthly to get you to where you want to be? Because I'm pretty sure anybody that's listening to this, they want to have an organization that is better and thriving and also people-oriented. They understand that people matter. And if that's you, we, we could probably work together good. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? We want to draw the people that really want to do the work, to help their people and be part of a community, no matter where you're at, let's build community that can help Mm -hmm. us all adapt through whatever happens next. Because, you know, if last year taught us nothing, You know, one of the things it did teach us is that things can change in an absolute instance and you just can't get through all of Mm -hmm. this alone. So, amen. yeah. So thank you, Emily, for just being a positive, um, I don't even want to just say it's positive and upbeat. I (laughs) always thoroughly enjoy our conversations. I always come away feeling a little more inspired and uplifted. I love your podcast, Unapologetically Bold. And I would encourage, you know, folks to listen to that and to connect directly with you. And sometime in March, I'll be on. Mm -hmm. Yep. Excited for the listeners to hear in. It's going to be so good. I'm excited too. It's a different thing for me too, to share from a more personal space Mm -hmm. and not you know, not just work. Thank you for listening to our episode today, Adapting Without Snapping. I'm making some easy ways for you to connect with Emily. And before we wrap the episode totally, Emily, you shared that Adapting Without Snapping has taken on a bit of an educational piece too with you and your organization. So tell us a little bit about what that looks like. So yes, you can go on to workspeed.com and we actually have this as a full e-course. It's an interactive e-course where you get to have a lot of self-reflection and have conversations. And we're actually going to reach out and help you stay accountable to how you can learn to adapt without snapping. Great. So you can do the the wise assessment. Mm -hmm. You can tackle some self-reflection and development through your e-course and any employer can connect back with you for some one-on-one help too, as we all look ahead at how we build community together. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on YouTube. You can listen on iTunes and as always take good care.